You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. That was wonderful, young people. Thank you so much. Thank God for the book of God. It'll keep you from a lot of heartache, won't it? Now, son, you're going to be a pastor, I can tell already. You're tearing stuff up in the church already, I mean, as a teenager, so no doubt you'll be a pastor. But anyway, I've enjoyed myself already. We've really had a wonderful time and uh, with seeing the fruits of our labor, of course, uh, and uh, meeting you good folks. We've prayed for you. Our church has prayed for you, and uh, certainly glad that you're here, massless, but <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if you wear them. If you want to wear them, you wear them, uh, but, um, but I, I got my own opinions, and I, I said I wasn't going to mess with that, so I'm going to leave it alone, but, but uh, second Chronicles in your Bibles, please, Second Chronicles chapter 20. We'll preach a little while. It's good to be down in America Amen. and away from communist Illinois. It really is, man. That's a, brother, I, I don't want to get into today, but man, it's a wild thing down there. And so to think that God dug me out of the swamps and, and put me up there and I stayed up there for that long is just a miracle of God. And uh, I've been praying and asking him when he's going to get me out of there. And, uh, but it's a joy to be here. I, and I married a Yankee girl. Can you imagine that? I married a Yankee girl. My daddy went, I had to bury my daddy on a Tuesday and married Kim on a Friday. My daddy wouldn't spend one day on earth his son being married to a Yankee woman. 
though he took on that anyway. So she'd been a sweetheart. Can you imagine this woman, never been in the woods of life, shoots big turkey, then a buyer bow, she drives tax. And man, she is, she's an archer deluxe. And uh, I've been doing my thing for 30-something years now, archery only, and kill a lot of animals. There's something about bloodletting that, uh, that uh, the Lord does. Now, if you're an animal rights activist, that's all right. They taste good next to taters if you'd ever tried. But anyway, I, biodiversity is a great thing if you study it out and stop listening to the idiots. Um, they'll teach you a good thing. But anyway, free range, free range. Pure organic. How can you beat that? People are going through that, and we eat it all the time. So some of you folks, y'all don't believe that. You, don't, you wouldn't kill anything. You just go to the grocery store all dressed up and push some buggies. See, what you do is you separate the executioner from your meat. Amen. I just, everywhere I go, I just kind of stir it up a little bit. So I want to stir it up a little bit. And so what you do is you reach across the aisle and you get you some meat and you put it in your basket. And all you've done is you've insulated yourself from the executioner. But see, I know the executioners. My farmer and I was an executioner, at least he was. At Tyson, he told me, he said they'd bring those animals in there, they shock them with a big shocker. And they flop on the floor and then they take them in an E. coli invest, infested, I mean, pumped up with steroids. Say amen, right there, pumped up with steroids and antibiotics. No wonder we're dying of cancer. Now, I might die of cancer next week, but it ain't because of that. <laughs> but we eat free, organic, white tail and animals we killed now for all these years. Anyway, <laughs> so we've been having fun. We really have. It's a good thing to enjoy life with your wife. Amen. Now, you can tell that I'm a Cajun, but I'm, there's something about Cajun that are different, right? They can entertain themselves. You know that you're a Cajun if you can entertain yourself over 15 minutes with a fly swatter. You know you're a Cajun if your boat hadn't left the driveway in 15 years. I told Kim, I said, down in Louisiana, Texas, everybody has a pickup truck and a boat. Say amen right there. Just about everybody, right? Um, uh, you, you know you're a Cajun if you burn your yard instead of mow it. That the Salvation Army declines your furniture. Uh, you offer someone the shirt off your back and they don't want it. You have local taxidermists on speed dial. Amen. I don't know what's wrong with that. but <laughs> um, Oh, this is a good one. You keep a can of Raid on the kitchen table. Am I right about that? If you know anything about Louisiana, brother, we got cockroaches bigger than VW bugs, man. I saw a cockroach pull a switchblade on a mouse and took his cheese one time. What are you talking about? Crazy, man. Kim hates roaches. And down in, I mean, down up, up north, we got a little bitty one thing. To, you, know, you, you know, nothing to them. But, boy, the one, one down in Louisiana, they fly, man. I mean, your grandmother has ammo on her Christmas list. Oh, this is a good one. You keep flea and tick soap in your shower. This is a good one. You've been in, involved in a custody fight over a hunting dog. That's Cajun. Uh, Second Chronicles in your Bibles, please. 
and chapter 20. Let's stand, stretch your legs one more time, then I'll preach a little while. I'll only got just a few moments here. Pick it up in verse 12, if you would, please. Young people enjoyed it. Good looking bunch of young people. I cannot tell you how proud I am of the Che family. And I'm certainly glad that you folks had enough sense to call him as your pastor. Amen. Great, great future. Trust me. Trust me. And of course, good to see the O's always and Jack also. It's just a thrill. The thrill is a preacher. And so I'm glad that y'all are here and so good to be in this place. Verse 12, if you would please. Oh, our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes, but our eyes are upon thee. I want to underline that, please, neither know we what to do. I want to speak a little while on the subject, what to do when you don't know what to do. Father, I pray that you'd bless a little while on this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you that it's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. I'm glad that it does spiritual surgery on us, we that receive it. And Lord, sometimes uh, medicine and surgery is not sometimes welcome, but dear Lord, when it's done and done right, it has a great effect on us. And so I pray, Lord, that today something be said, be a help and a blessing to these precious folks here. Wonderful crowd today. And I'm so thankful to be here. Lord, I pray that you'd bless now the preaching of thy word, change some life today, save the soul nearest hell, revive backsliders, we ask in Jesus' name. And amen. You may be seated. Now, I, I want to say something before I get preaching here. Uh, the preacher has a dunk tank out here. He was going to do a dunk tank. Now, it's raining. I just think we ought to send him out in the rain and sit, sit back and, and laugh at him instead of letting him have in a dunk tank. But I'm going to be the first one to throw the ball, but anyway. Jehoshaphat was taken by surprise one day when it was reported to him the Ammonites and the Moabites were just about to come and invade Judah. They were in distress and danger of a foreign invasion. Any more than we were surprised by 9-11, most of this room were surprised by this last invasion that just took place several weeks ago. Anytime we have foreign invasions, it should shock you just a bit. No one in this room ever thought that we'd have anybody come on American shores and do what they did on 9-11. And nobody here really thought about that red Chinese communists would release a biochemical biovirus upon this nation and upon the world that would cause the chaos that's happened in recent days. And I've seen now these, these days, a lot of people don't know what to do. Can you imagine that the churches, the churches for the first time have been shut down? Our not only constitutional right, but our biblical right has been shut down. That's never happened. Please don't come and bore me with the 1918 Spanish flu. I understand it all, understood what happened. The churches were not forced to close down, some did purposely because of the health problem, but that's it. Nobody ever forced. This thing is being forced upon us. And in some cases, people don't know what to do. I, I don't know. I've got to be north of 300 plus texts and phone calls by preachers across this nation asking me what to do. And we don't know what to do when you had a foreign invader. I mean, when you had somebody come in and you don't know what to do and you end up being scared as Jehoshaphat was, 
you need to understand that there's some things that we need to consider. I want you to look at it, please. When a foreign invader comes, this happens. What to do when you don't know what to do? Jehoshaphat was scared. And I want you to see it, please. He called for a fast. Now, can I say this? When a Baptist fasts, you've got to be in an emergency situation. Say amen right there. It's got to really be bad when you're going to, when you're going to, uh, Baptist is going to fast, right? But I want you to notice he prayed in verses 6 through 11. I want you to see that. And what he was doing, he was reminding God, you have helped others. Now it's time that you help us. Would you please help us? We're in trouble. And you've helped others in the past in trouble. Now it's our time. Look what it said in verse 6. And, uh, and, said, uh, and said, O Lord God, our Father, art not thou God in heaven? Can you imagine now reminding God that he's God? <laughs> but this is what happens. We do the same thing. Now, Lord, you're the God. of You created me. You saved me. You're trying to remind him what he already knows. And then what they were doing is trying to convince him that and then say, would you please come through for us? Look at, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And, thy dwelt, and, and they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary then for thy name's sake. If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, watch it carefully, in judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they rewarded us to come and cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. What he was saying, he said, now the king was saying, how about us, dear God? Hey, Lord, how about us? We're in a mess right now. We're going to have just about to be invaded by the Moabites and the Ammonites. And what are you going to do about it? This is your land. You put us here. What are you going to do about it? Folks, when something comes in our lives that's unpredictable, when something happens to us, and it will, every one of you, something will come into your life that you never planned for, something you could not see coming, going to blindside you, going to sucker punch you, you're going to have to understand where to go because there's going to come a time your pastor's not going to be able to help you. Your mom and dad's not going to be able to help you. Friends are not going to be able to help you. Are you listening to me now? Doctors will not be able to help you. As in the case of my first wife, as she sat there, laid there in the bed, and the doctor came in and said, no hope, no cure. No nothing. It's done. You need to get in that position. Really find out what to do when you don't know what to do. We have battles coming. Every one of us in this room is going to have battles. There's some of you in here. I'm seeing you. You have grayer hair than some. And some were just born with it. Reminds me of Brother Hall over here. I bet you he was, I bet you he was gray-headed when he was 15. But anyway... My, my vice president was, man, he was just great, great since he was a kid, man. But some of us, he's not old, but some of us are a little older. 
I'm at least two years older than him, but some of us are a little older, and things are changing. And we, man, just let, are you hearing me now? One diagnosis, one phone call from the doctor, your life will change. Battle's gonna come, gonna come to all of us. And I'm just trying to be an encouragement to you today to make you understand that all down through the Word of God, when I read down through the Word of God, people had problems and were blindsided with stuff, but they understood who was in control of it all. And right now, we're in the battle for the soul of this country, yeah. its constitution, and the souls of men and churches. And when the battle comes, we must say with Jehoshaphat, neither know we what to do. The greatest thing you can do is approach this humbly and say, we just don't know what to do when some of these things happen. Now, I'm simply saying that there's several principles I want to give you from these scriptures in Jehoshaphat's life. I want you to look at it. First of all, they, they didn't know what to do. The first thing you need to do when something like that happens, you need to just bow your head and bow your knee and say, dear God, I'm not quite sure what to do in this point in time. I lost my baby boy, too. Baby son. 38 years old. That's a hard thing, man. God didn't design it that way where your children go before you do. Every man here wishes that he would go first and then his wife. Say amen, fellas. Bless God, we couldn't even dress ourselves without our wives. You can't, you can't even match anything. I mean, we can't even sing without knocking the flowers over. I mean, what's the deal? That's why the book said it's good for a man not to be alone. It didn't say it's a wife. Women can do quite well without guys. But a man... It's not good that he be alone. I'm just simply saying that, boy, when you get in a situation like that and get tight, I'm telling you, you're going to have to keep your eyes on the Lord. But sometimes we don't know what to do. Look in verse 12 one more time. Neither know we what to do. They were about to be attacked, had no battle plans. What I'm trying to say today, I don't care who you are in this room, when that day comes in your life, I promise you, you're not ready for it. Oh, I know you think you got battle plans, but you really don't. And they didn't have battle plans, and they had not prepared for war. Uh, they, they had an army, but was not prepared to fight. Y'all need to understand where King Jehoshaphat was. This guy had it all. They were powerful. Everybody was scared to death to ever come upon them. They never thought they would ever be attacked. And all of a sudden, they're getting word that the Moabites and the Ammonites are about to come and do some business. The battles of life comes, and we're not prepared for them. It could have been the death of a loved one. Could it be that maybe somebody in your, your presence, somebody that you know, might just check out on you? You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the person that you're sitting with right now just might not be here in six months from now? Have you thought about just... Just, just thought about it just a little bit, that maybe your mom and dad that you love so much that you really thought that's going to stay with you for a long time, just not going to be around for very long. Young people, listen to me. You young men, listen to me carefully. You better love, and all you young people better love your parents while you can. Because one of these days, they're not going to be here. You better love them while you can. Honor them while you can. I'm simply saying that, boy, there's going to come a day, the death of a loved one. I mean, a father, a mother, a brother, a spouse. And preachers, sometimes that'll happen, and we never, never, never understand that. I, there's some of you in this room possibly might have had a job layoff because of this COVID-19. You never saw that coming. You thought that you were very secure. Your bills are going to be paid. Everything's fine. And all of a sudden now, you're out of a job. You didn't see it coming. You didn't prepare for it. There's some people right now that are absolutely hurting tremendously. 
Preacher, what happens? I talked about the will of God this morning a little while out of road. The, the problem when this happens, a lot of people do knee-jerk reaction. They've got to go to make the money instead of staying in the will of God, and they'll do that. I, I'm thinking of some in my uh, church right now, Eldon Johnson. Uh, he's a plant manager, a very smart guy, and, and ran big plants. And, and he, he, uh, he got laid off uh, a year and a half, about two years ago, I guess, and he said, I'm not leaving this church. I raised all my kids in this church. All my kids live for God. And he said, uh, they're offering me extreme amount of money to leave the state and go somewhere else. He said, I'm not leaving this church. This is the will of God for me. I'm not leaving my church. I don't care if I starve. I'm not leaving this church. Now, you don't get a lot of Christians that will say stuff like that because they're not deep enough Christians. They don't walk with God enough. But Eldon stayed. And I couldn't believe it. I went on. I'd ask him, brother, how's it looking? I'd have sent a bunch of resumes out. I said, what are they saying? They said, I'm overqualified. How would you like to be overqualified? Most of us are underqualified. He was overqualified. And all of a sudden it opened up for him and he, he came to me and said, preacher, you're not going to believe this. God gave me the job of my dreams because I was patient. But there's some men that started businesses, preacher, that'll never get back. Never get back. They, they were successful. They thought everything was fine. And all of a sudden now they're facing a situation of bankruptcy and everything else. These times, these hard times come. Could be a wayward child. Never, never, you'd never believe it. There's folks in this room right now, if you really would be honest, you'd know that, man, we've done everything right, preacher, and we, we did the right thing. And one of our children just went off the reservation. They're gone somewhere and they're into stuff that I never thought our teens would ever be in. And my heart is broken. Those battles that will come upon us that will blindside us sometimes, we don't know what to do. There are people that I know that I have helped that get on their face every day of their life and say, dear Lord, we don't know what to do in this situation. What to do when you don't know what to do? Terminal sickness. We've got at least four or five, do we not, wife? Four or five young women in our church that has cancer. There are folks in this room right now Within the next six months, they'll give you a diagnosis. There are young people in this church. You'll get a diagnosis and you never saw it coming. Who would have thought that these young men that I love, and some of them I've raised like, you found, like, like your pastor, marries a young woman, and then now I, when I'm preaching to them, I look out there and she has cancer. Young. Have little bitty children just like they do. Nobody wishes that. Nobody prays for that, but it happens. How in the world, this is family day, how in the world do we go around fighting and fussing like a bunch of dogs and then something like that happens and if one thing that we think about always is, man, did I do this right the first time? Those things will come back to you. I'm talking about terminal illness. I'm talking about sometimes the pastor resigned. Your former pastor resigned. You never saw that coming. You didn't think it would. But it does. Things like that happen. What you need to do instead of doing a knee-jerk reaction and responding wrongly, you just need to look what it says. Did you read the verse a while ago? They kept their eyes on Jesus. And that's what you're going to have to do when these times come. I want you to look at it, please. They tried fasting, convincing God that if we fast, that, um, you know, you ought to hear us because we fast. Folks, look at me carefully. You might manipulate your mom and dad and other people, but you're not going to ma manipulate God. Fasting is a good thing. Some of us ought to try it every night again. Many of us have done it for 40 days at a stretch for quite a few years. But some need to try fast. But what they were doing, they're trying to fast because they got their fat in the fire. Now they're trying to fast to convince God that he needs to help them. 
Let me say this. God knew the situation they were in. But they tried fasting to get God to help them. And they didn't know what to do. So they figured, well, we'll fast. Now, you need to understand something. You don't write this down in your Bible, study it later. He was guilty of making a league with Ahab. And that's what Jehoshaphat and the fat boys were worried about. He had made a league with Ahab, and he feared God's judgment upon him. And it gripped him with fear, and in humiliation, prayed and confessed his sins, asking God to intervene. Please listen to me carefully. If you have sin in your life, and there's some problems come up, the first thing you need to do, instead of asking God to help, you need to confess your sins, get right with God, have revival, repent of what you're doing, and then ask God for your help. How would you think that God Almighty should try to help you when you're sinning against him and not listening to anything he says? When those days come is when you're going to confess. Listen, I have preacher friends of mine told me that my child was in surgery. They were losing. They came out. The doctor said, we don't know if they're going to make it or not. And those preachers said they got to a room, fell on their face. And when they fell on their face, God revealed to them of somebody in their church that had wronged them years ago and how they still had bitterness in their heart toward those people. And how they, the, the face of those people came to their mind and they had to confess and get it right. Brethren, listen, every one of us in this room struggles with stuff like that. But when you're blindsided and something happened, you've been invaded and something awful happens in your life, you better understand one thing. God's ringing your doorbell, and the first thing you ought to do is think, is there something in my life that I need to get right with God? Folks, I'm not trying to be ugly to you. I'm trying to preach the word to you, and you need to understand something. That when God Almighty, there is no OOs with God. There's no, it never occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God. And when something happens in every Christian life, it's been stamped approved by God Almighty. He brought it in your life to try to help you in some sort of way. Not to crush you, but to consecrate you. And that's what God's trying to do many times. I want you to understand that Noah didn't know what to do. Think about this for a minute. Building a boat. Preacher, building a boat that size, if you'll study how, the size of that boat, building that boat in the middle of the Euphrates and, and Tigris River, building that thing in the middle of a desert. How would you, why would you build a boat, a ship? Why would you build a ship in the middle of the desert? Oh, I can understand right here on the coast. Come on, talk to me, Christians. Have you read your Bible? In the desert. What are you doing building a boat in a desert? What is that about? Don't you understand the ridicule that he got every day of his life? He didn't know what to do. Just, you want me to build a boat? <laughs> yeah. Because, man, it's going to rain, and I'm going to drown everything with a breath of life in it. What? <laughs> and all the ridicule, and all the young people, and think about his children, how they made fun of him. They came there and said, yeah, your daddy's a nutcase. Look at him building a boat in the middle of the desert. There ain't no water around here. What about that? We've got these two little rivers, but look at the size of this boat. Didn't know what to do. He just kept doing it until that first drop of rain and then clouds formed. Then people began to get shocked. And could I say right now, I, I see the clouds forming. And it ain't going to rain this time. He's going to burn this thing this time. But I can, I can assure you judgment is coming upon this nation, and I believe it already is. You're not going to kill as many babies in the mother's womb as you're doing. You're not going to have two hair-legged men come down the aisle and call them husband and wife when there is no such thing. You're not going to rub it in God's face and this stuff happen. Judgment of God is upon America. 
Noah didn't know what to do. Joshua didn't know what to do. Can you imagine we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna de- destroy Jericho and this is what I want you to do? Are y'all with me today? Say amen. amen. This is how we're going to destroy this. How crazy. I don't know what to do. How am I going to defi- Just walk, go around and sit down, blow, blow, everything's okay. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do some things that are crazy, like stay up north. <laughs> I'm just simply, folks, listen, they didn't know what to do. Moses didn't know what to do in Exodus, taking the children out of Egypt, three and a half million Jews, complaining Jews, the whole way, taking them off. He didn't know what to do, but he sought the Lord. Every one of these men sought the Lord. Now, this is not too deep of a message. Oh, I got, I got a bunch of that. I've been preaching 34, 38 years. I can, I, I can get some stuff to wow you. I'm not trying to wow you. I'm trying to tell you, every one of you, when you get to that point that I'm talking about, when you absolutely don't know what to do, you're going to seek the Lord. Yeah. It's not going to be a man. You're going to have to seek the Lord. And if you're ever going to get question, your, your answers to, uh, questions answered, you're going to have to seek Him. You're going to have to understand that. All these men. I want you to look in verse 3, please. He was afraid. Jehoshaphat feared. He was afraid. He feared. God is not the author of fear. He feared and set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. I want you to see it. And he, then he prayed that prayer. Can you imagine praying that prayer and asking God, reminding God? He was very insecure and in uh, not prepared for this encounter. He was caught off balance. Jehoshaphat feared the surrounding nations. And he understood that they could all get together and coalition come against him. But listen carefully now. If you read your Bible, he understood that they were more powerful than any individual. And he didn't fear them individually. So you need to understand that they were such a powerful nation, they didn't believe that anybody had the guts to invade them. They never thought that anybody would be so stupid as to attack them, but they did, and they were surprised. And every one of us here was surprised by this thing that was unleashed on us recently, this virus. Not downplaying the seriousness of the virus, I am downplaying the overreaction that's happened worldwide. How serious. Can you imagine the Wuhanians were then quarantined? They could not go into China because Xi didn't want all that stuff to spread in his country, but would let the Wuhanians fly all over the world to spread that stuff all over the world. If that doesn't sound like premeditation, would somebody help me after the service and explain it to me? It's premeditation. And when this stuff happens, boy, and you don't know what to do, you just got to fall in your face and preach it. We're not going to ever have revival. Could it be that God allowed this to happen, that the church might come to revival? Could it be that God Almighty had trying to wake up the world and said, y'all better wake up because time is short? Could it be? Could it be? You know why people don't like preaching? You know why people can't make eye contact you when you preach? Because they're not saved and never get born again. They, they have received a Jesus that's not a Jesus of the Bible. When the Bible is being preached, people will respond to that. But there's some people don't know that. They've lived such wicked lives, and they, they, they're into so much junk, and they're defending so many wicked, vile individuals that God has not spoken to them in, in years. I've pastored 38 years. I've watched it happen. 
possessed people entered into the church. We have a bunch of demon-possessed individuals in Washington, D.C., and some of them even come to our church and sit there and listen to preaching and hate everything the preacher ever says. That is a demon-possessed individual. They don't know the Lord. They wouldn't know the Lord from a lizard. And this is what happens at times. But when that time comes, when the rug is pulled out from under you, you're going to seek him every time. Losing a husband by death or divorce was never planned. Many times our lives become afraid when we're taken by surprise. Suddenly your business is not working out. There's some good men in this church right now. You know that things are not going to work out for you no matter what happens. And when the economy comes back, it's not going to come back the right thing, the right way for you. Nobody ever understood this matter of shutdown. Nobody ever understood that people would so overreact where people are yelling at people in grocery stores not having a mask on. Our people are being taken down. We've got people being taken down and beaten because they don't have a mask on. What kind of stinking country is this? What in the world happened to us? And I don't know about you, but you might be sitting here. I, 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 bet, I bet times I just sit back and say, man, I don't know what to do except, Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes on you, and we're going to do what we've always done and do the will of God for our lives. Next thing I want you to look at is they depend on human reasoning. They tried to figure out the problem for themselves. They tried fasting. They tried to convince the Lord to help them. They tried to give God an argument why he should help them. They were used to human reasoning. And this is what happens many times. Brother Mark, if we're not careful, we, we gravitate to human reasoning. Why this should be. So all of a sudden, this is what we do. Listen carefully. Now, all of us in this room, we sit there and we're going to watch because we're going to let the news media think for us because we ain't a thinking generation. So what they're going to do is dictate to us everything that's going down. You know, the scarf lady, scarf lady and Dr. Fauci, false Fauci. He's going to stand up and he's going to tell us everything that he's involved in to the billions of dollars, to the billions of dollars. Mr. Fauci is profiting to the billions of dollars as long as he can carry this thing out. And if you don't understand that, you're going to have to do your own study. Scarf lady ain't got, a, ain't got a clue. Every doctor that I know that's personal friends of mine tells me, preacher, eat a lot of vitamin D. And this, stuff, this stuff is three times contagious, ten times bad in flu. But there ain't nobody ever responded like this. If y'all want some stats, I'll give you some stats. Most of the things that we got going on in our country is killing far more people than this COVID-19. Ain't nobody responding on it. This contrived, and anybody with any sense knows it's contrived, and we understand that. I'm not talking about the seriousness of the deal. I'm trying to separate the politics from the seriousness of the virus. But see, we're trying to human reasoning. 150 million, 150 million people going to die from this is what they said. Several million people going to die from this. Of course, they had to back well. Everything they ever told us was wrong, everything. You know why? Human reasoning. You know what's really sad? Bible believers are supposed to know the Lord, supposed to trust Him, not trusting Him at all, but trusting human reasoning. And this is what they were doing right here. They were trusting human reasoning. And when they were doing that, God said, you know what? Just, just keep your eyes on me. And that's the thing we need to do. We need to always keep our eyes on Him. God said we are... Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we need for you to intervene. Many times we make decisions based on human reasoning, not on spirit leadership. Preacher, when you contact me about the church here and coming here, I, them taking you here, I, I, was, I was moved to, to go into a season of prayer for you and prayed for you that God would have his will 
for this church. And I was certainly glad that that happened. But if you don't care for human reasoning, will then play in part instead of spirit leadership. I personally believe it was the Spirit of God that not only led the preacher here, but also led him to this pulpit. I believe the Spirit of God did that. I don't believe that was human reasoning. But there is time when people do human reasoning. Let me show you what I'm talking about. What, what I appreciate it is that you knew him. You knew him. He had been here for a while. You knew him. You knew what you were getting. Are y'all with me? Sometimes in churches looking for a pastor, they, they, they go into a preaching contest. Is he good looking? No. Um, uh, do, does he have hair? Uh, no. <laughs> Is he tall, dark, and handsome? I used to be that. I'm just dark now. But anyway, <laughs> folks, listen. It, no, I'm serious when I say this. I've pastored 38 years. I've helped preach. I help churches across this nation on a constant basis. It's amazing how people look at the next candidate. Can he preach? Can he suck wind? Bless God! <laughs> I mean, if he can suck wind, boy, he's got to be a spirit-filled preacher. You never ask about his family, never ask about his finances, never ask. He's good-looking, tall, handsome, winsome. You don't... <laughs> That's human reasoning. You don't choose a preacher because of that. And that's what happens when people get in trouble. They're not following the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm certainly glad that you chose this good man of God and you watch the future of this church is only going to skyrocket. Beautiful building, beautiful facilities, wonderful people. I felt very welcome here already. Got great land. You got everything, everything for the future is going to be good. You follow him. You win souls, knock doors, talk to people about the Lord. Get them in. Get them baptized. Put them in the pew. See God move in a great way. Make sure that they grow in grace and not embrace them. You're going to have some folks come in that's going to be messed up forever, man. But you just got to help them along. When I was, um, when I was, um, came to church, I had long hair and long beard kind of hippie. But I was a fighter. Down in Louisiana, what we do for, for sport, for recreation is drink and fight. That's what we do. Not a bad sport if you're lost. But I walked in. When I walked in that church, women grabbed their children and men their wallets. Mean as a snake. I mean, I'd play ball. I mean, crazy, crazy wild man. And I walked in and sat down and Bob Smith preached the Word of God to me. Can two walk together except to be agreed? And I got saved that day. God turned my life around. Now you think about it for a minute. I came in all messed up. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what my life held. I didn't know what my future held. And all of a sudden I sat there and God, Jesus preached to me. And when I did, I got my eyes on him. When I got my eyes on him, when that preacher preached it, I then came and receive Christ as my personal Savior, and God turned me around. That's what the church is all about, change lives, folks. It ain't for us to gather like this and just have a good time. Some preacher ought to be peeling your bark every time he stands up and preaches and getting you and keeping you right with God. There's a whole community going to hell right now, and if you don't reach them, this church is going to answer for it. So when we don't know what to do, here's the solution. Look at it one more time. Keep your eyes fixed on him. I want y'all to look at me, please. I love your pastor, love his family, 
that man's going to fail you one of these days. He's not going to do what you think he should do. You're going to want him right now, and he can't be there right now. We're not omnipresent. He may even preach something to offend you. He may do something that you just don't understand, but you better keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. There might be somebody in the church does you wrong. The O kids might bite the Che kids. <laughs> so the Che is going to leave the church because the O kids are biters. Let me tell you what you did when you are a child. You bit. See how stupid this stuff gets in our church? It just gets crazy. People just up and leave, pick up their marbles, go home just because something happened. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, trust me, somebody will disappoint you in life and in churches. Do you understand how much we are together all the time? There's always great opportunity for one of us to do something wrong. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We sing the song. We sing it, I don't believe it. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things on earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want you to get over there and Later and read it. I don't. I got to quit now. But in Psalm 37, you'll see it. You read that one through seven. I mean, brother, it's it's just right there. Realize the battle. The second thing I would say is not only keep your eyes on Jesus, but realize the battle is the Lord. It's not ours, folks. Listen, when things happen like that, you think that you got to take it on. This battle that we have in this, this thing right now is not. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If we can, we some people could whoop somebody maybe. But we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against powers and we're wrestling with evil people in high places. So you need to understand you don't approach that physically. Are y'all with me now? You approach that spiritually. So you need to keep your eyes on Jesus and make sure that you understand the battle of the Lord. Number next, I want you to look at verse 17 if you would please. You shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourself, stand still. That's the, sec that's the next thing you need to do. Just stand still. Just, just stop. Hey, folks, listen. We're so busy. We're always doing this, that, and other. Just stop for a minute and let God intervene on this situation and watch how he's going to play this. Look what it says. Fear not, for the Lord will be with you. Isn't that a wonderful thing, verse 17? Now, bless God, that's all I need. Listen, you and God are a majority. I don't need a lot of forces behind me. I just need him. Number next, I want you to look at it, please. Sing and praise the Lord. I love to hear y'all sing this morning. Y'all did such a good job. Sing and praise the Lord. Look at verse 22, if you would, please. And when they begun to sing and praise the Lord, the, uh, and, and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the children of uh, Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, and, uh, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Isn't it amazing that you do these simple things? It's just like I said about Jericho, marching around seven times, blowing a trumpet, and the wall's going to fall. Are you kidding me? Just build a boat, one day it's going to rain, it's going to flow. Are you kidding me? You mean I'm going to take three and a half million Jews with a rod and smite thing and it's going to happen? Are you kidding me? And when your time comes, if you just stop a minute and understand you're not in control of anything, and I've been there several times with my loved ones, when I walked into emergency rooms, and as a pastor with a large church, and preach all this nation every week of my life. I found out I ain't in control of nothing. And you're not either. And when these things come upon you, keep your eyes on him. Stand still for a little while. Realize the battle's the Lord's.
and just sing praise on him. You'd be amazed what praising will do. The Bible commands us to do that. And that's an amazing thing. If you read Psalm 37, it'll help you. And then over there, get over there in 39 and 40 of Psalm, uh, Psalm 37, it'll help you also. It's just a great thing. That book is a great thing to answer your questions. Let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Do you know for sure, 100% for sure, you're saved going to heaven when you die? Well, there's some doubt. You ever really did an introspection, just really, really ask yourself 100% for sure that if you died right now, that you'd go to heaven? Have you ever really considered that? I was a wicked guy. My daddy was a professional boxer. He and I used to go out. He'd go his way. I'd go my way. We'd fight a lot in different places. And when I got born again, got turned around, and my daddy saw such a change in my life, my daddy wanted what I had. And my daddy got saved. I mean, got born again. And he and I went back to my house to my devout, very devout Catholic mother and told her that we got saved. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to say. But she saw two men in her life that were nothing but drunks and fighters all of a sudden sitting, studying their Bible, discussing the Lord. She couldn't get away with that. She couldn't handle that. And all of a sudden, my mother, after a year and four months, I won my daddy to Christ four months after my mother, a year and four months after they got born again. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. All I knew to do is say, dear Lord, I got my eyes on you. I'm going to pray and seek God. I'm going to sing praise on you. I'm going to do the God's will. And I want you to please save my household. And my mom and dad and sisters, all of them were saved by the grace of God. God will do that for you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.